0: Read me romance, read, read me romance, read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance, read, read me romance.
1: New York Times best-selling author Tessa Bailey, hey, that's me, returns with a sexy romantic comedy about a young married couple whose rocky relationship needs a serious renovation. Rosie and Dominic Vega used to be the perfect couple. Now, Rosie's lucky to get a grunt from the ex soldier every time she walks in the door. Dom is faithful and a great provider, but the man she fell in love with is nowhere to be found. When her girlfriends encourage Rosie to demand more out of life and pursue her dreams, she decides to demand more out of love too. Three words marriage boot camp. Hey, lady listeners, it's me, Tessa. My book, Lover or Loser, comes out today at midnight. I'm just so excited about this book. It's a second chance romance between Rosie and Dominic, which is the first time I've ever written a married couple. I'm super excited about that. There is a a pot smoking marriage counselor. There's love letters. There is camping. There is chubby bunny, a whole bunch of funny stuff. I hope you guys go get it. Love you all. Hey, lady listeners. Hey. Hey. So, we were
0: just trying to figure out how long it's been since we've been talking. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> talking. I forgot how to talk. <laughs> I was like, thing. since we've been, I couldn't, my brain couldn't decide if I was going to say recording or talking. It is <laughs> talking. <Re-talking.
1: laughs>
0: yeah, that's what we do here. We're super professional, guys. I know you guys had Regina Kyle last week, but we recorded for Regina, I believe, Sometime in early December. So
1: yeah. it's been a hot
0: minute since we've talked. How, that's what I was trying to figure out if we've talked since Christmas, but I don't think we
2: have. Only for, in Only for yeah. me to
1: send you weird porn. <laughs> <See> <laughs> you a mean text.
0: wonderful porn. Are we gonna,
1: wonderful porn. Are we going to talk about
0: that? Can we? I don't can think we, we can
1: talk about I, it. Can condone this? I, I
0: don't, don't know. know. Man, man, Pornhub has everything. <laughs> like, if you can think of it, it's there. I just want to say it's like... It's never. It's always like a
2: kink you didn't know was there. All of a sudden, it's like right it, there
1: in front of you. Like, oh shit! Oh, I'm why I like on. that? <laughs> I, I didn't discovered know that
2: it was by, purely by
1: accident. It was purely <laughs> by accident. I was. Searching for oh mm-hmm. god I shouldn't even say this okay. voyeur porn you know like oh yeah oh, like, sometimes yeah I like when that's great it's, like you're catching Tessa
0: we've way. established this early on in the <laughs> podcast all you our like listener, yeah no. all of our I'm listeners know you're into voyeurism we I'm got not ashamed. it no and
1: this. So this video came up of a guy. And first of all, this guy is like an Instagram model. I yeah. mean, something His like he is, is insane. It's yeah. in
0: incredible, very healthy shape. It's, like <laughs> he's big and
1: muscular. In a way that's like not not steroid too much. Driven No, or, like, too it's much. not like it's just perfect. Yeah. For, like a nice.
0: His body is wonderful. It's a yeah. gorgeous
1: body. And he's mm-hmm. fucking a doll. <laughs> And I was like, I I?" was wondering how we were going to say that. And it just came. Wait, but but let me clarify. (laughs) I can't.
2: I'm not even shaming you, Tessa, because I watched
1: like four of his videos. I watched several. Um, <sighs> I might be subscribing to his channel. I don't know. It's, wow, it's like, but it's not like a doll, like a sex doll that he got on, uh, like <laughs> no, a professional website. It's like, it's like a. It's like, like a, a child's doll. <laughs> Disney princess. It's yeah. a, oh, it's oh Elsa. Did you say the is stuffed animal? Did you see the I stuffed thought it was Elsa
2: one? Elsa,
0: but I wasn't gonna say it. I was like, is that Elsa?
1: Yeah, There's it's definitely one Elsa. Elsa. There's but it seems like his He drew favorite. tattoos
0: on her, though. Did you see that? Someone put tattoos on Elsa. <laughs> like she's got some kind of like tat leg tattoo on the plastic she's one. She's got
1: t- a tra- what they call a tramp stamp, I believe. Yeah.
0: And then on the stuffed animal the stuffed Elsa one I mean he just he put a a, what is those called like the the pocket pussy like the flashlight so he put one of those between her legs and then in her mouth in the stuffed animal and then he fucks it and it's it is seriously one of those things like Mal said it's one of those kinks where you're like I didn't know I'd be turned on until I watched that I I I
2: clicked it I was like whoa Whoa! I'm turned on. What the hell? <laughs> no, I <was> like, "What?
1: <laughs> Where did that come from?"
0: I don't
1: know. And and his favorite one seems to be the girl from Tangled. And oh, Rapunzel! Yeah. Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, it's very problematic. I, I think. Can I but say?
0: What? Well, no. Go ahead. You go well, ahead. I
1: think what it is, and I've been watching the show Big Mouth, and I don't know if you guys have been watching Big Mouth uh-uh. on Netflix. Okay.
0: Well, oh yeah, yeah, the cartoon. It's
1: extraordinary, yeah. and it's very yeah, appropriate. It's about basically it's a cartoon. It's written by like comedians. It's Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, mm-hmm. and uh, Jason Manzukis and Jenny Slate, and they um, and Maya Rudolph. I just keep naming people, but they, <laughs> but there, it's like. You know, middle school kids or even younger going through puberty and just how, what that's like. And in my imagination, I'm like, this guy went through puberty while around dolls. And, <laughs> yeah. oh, this guy did. Porn.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And, you know, it just became the thing that he focused his attraction on. And look, it could be completely problematic.
0: <laughs> or it could just be really innocent. Maybe just he just, this is, is how he likes, likes to get off. Yeah, I don't know. This is a, a kink he likes. I don't know. One. I'm trying not to shame.
1: I'm trying not to shame it. I'm not shaming it at all.
0: So, like, one of the things that I've noticed when watching this guy is that, and I've watched it several times, but <laughs> he, like. <laughs> ah, me too. <laughs> like, he likes to be the one that fucks it. Like, if you, like, it is, it's a beautiful thing if you really pay attention to it. So if you watch, he (laughs) holds the doll, he holds the doll and, like, will jack himself off. But he gets so turned on that he has to stop and then he has to fuck it. Like, You can see the point in his body language where he tenses when he's jerking off, when he's jerking himself off with her, he tenses and he's like, that's not enough. I have to be the one to fuck her. And you can see his muscles like, like tense and switch. And then he holds it still and he fucks it. And that is so sexy. Like, I don't know what it is about that, but it's the fact that he can't control it. He has to fuck it. Like, he has to be in charge. There is something about this particular
1: guy. I mean, oh my and like, we, I can't reiterate enough that he is extremely, his just body is just well-made. So, so many appealing.
2: messages for this link. <laughs> I
0: know, I know. And should I don't I even just,
1: think we can share just, it on social media without enough. getting in. Okay, okay. We'll what's
0: it called? Because we'll just tell people to look it up. Okay, I well, I
1: think if you go to Pornhub and yeah, you go to – Click on Pornhub. Uh. Guy fucks doll. I don't think you're going to get a lot of things coming up. Well, and you, look, it,
0: no, like you I definitely said, would. Hold on. Uh, this is it's called Buff Guy Caught Fucking Doll on Hidden Camera. OK, that's the name of the link. Google you that, that Yeah,
1: search that one and then go from there. OK.
0: <laughs> yeah, so don't wait, think we can share that. But this
1: is the Read Me Romance podcast. Hi,
0: welcome. <laughs>
1: Wow, we really kicked this year off with a yeah. With a I mean, bang. 2020.
0: Let's do this shit.
1: Aim high. Already discovering new things about myself.
0: I know. I know that I will watch doll fucking. Porn. Like I said, it
1: was completely by accident. And I was. It always like, is. Oh, and then I just went down a rabbit hole of just this mm-hmm. guy's videos. And there is one where he talks.
0: No, I don't want that. Really one. nasty.
1: And I think and oh my god, this is actually the most interesting part of the whole conversation. He's fucking a doll and he's mad at her because she made them miss their dinner reservations. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think you were gonna see. That. Did you see that coming? No. Yeah. Yeah. She may. And I'm pretty sure it's Ariel. I'm pretty sure it's so Ariel this questions. time. And uh he's he's like oh, yeah, he's like now you now you're gonna you're gonna have my cock for dinner because we missed our re- reservations. He's like talking. Yes. Oh and it's God. it's weird. It's like you can see this is a different kind of doll, and you can see his penis going up into her stomach. It's yeah. It's oh my God. I mean, I I'm not saying you shouldn't We should pause this podcast and watch it. (laughs) But maybe later.
0: I'm just wondering, like... And these videos only
1: have, like, 3,000 views. So, like, they're not popular on Pornhub this was totally shuffled into my feed by accident they're
0: like you know what you're gonna like this this you know like Pornhub bitch you know what though it's like Facebook ads you know you should just trust them like they 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 listen to you they know what you want Pornhub's the same way they're like hey girl you're just take this okay They know what you want
1: before you know what you want just exactly you don't even know you want it yet
0: the government's listening, and they're giving you this little diamond. Don't question it, like you know.
1: <laughs> and
0: also, at one point, I I believe he spanks the doll. Like he's, he
1: spanks it, like he couldn't help it. Yes, and yeah. it's like
0: he. It's almost like he's shocked that he did it. Yeah. But please go back and watch the point to where he's jerking himself off, and then he can't stand it, and he he has to be the one to thrust. She can't do it. He has to do it. Watch that. It's a beautiful thing.
1: It's a beautiful thing. Uh we're here for Brighton Walsh Week. <laughs> Brighton, I'm sorry. Like, oh my fucking.
2: She's God. like, I'm
1: out. Never Brighton, again will I'm I do sorry. this podcast. <laughs> you know what though? Like I really honestly Brighton. Okay, let's talk about her for a minute. I love her. I love she her. She
2: is adorable. And I first found her with her book Captive, which I love. Do you remember that book?
1: Yep. The teal cover with the yes. red. Uh-huh. It's a great book. It's a great book. Yeah. um, And she'll understand the first 10 minutes of this podcast because she's one of the coolest people. Like, she really is. You know, like when okay, you meet somebody. Okay, good. So she would watch this? What?
0: Would she watch this porn? For sure. Okay. All right. Sure. Cool.
1: <laughs> um, and... She's like one of those people like you meet her or maybe it's just me but like you can make fun of her and she'll just give it back to you. She won't take it personally. I like that. Yeah. You know like I that's how I know when I really like somebody is when mm-hmm. I make fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> but like oh, she loves she, us, Mel. <laughs> she's really cool. Like she came um she oh, she was t- I was texting her about this this the podcast and I was like uh we need to design your cover. Um, what does your heroine look like? And she's like, I don't even think I described her. And I was like, way to paint a picture. (laughs) She
0: just laughed. She really put us in the book, right? (laughs) Yeah, she just laughed,
1: you know, because that's how she is. She's just like really cool. Uh I like that. So let me read her her, uh, her bio. Brighton Walsh spent nearly a decade as a professional photographer before taking her storytelling in a different direction and reconnecting with her first love, writing. When she's not lost in her own made-up worlds, She's probably either reading or shopping, maybe even both at once. She lives in the Midwest with her real life hero of a husband, her two kids, one taller than her, one not quite yet, and her dog who thinks she's a queen. Her boy-filled house is the setting for her dirty socks galore frequent dance parties. Um, okay, so it's mostly her by herself while, ch- while her children look on in horror and more laughter than she thought possible. Visit her online at brightonwalsh.com. So
0: that sounds cute. She
1: wrote us a really cute novella here called The Neighbor, and it's um, uh, it's super funny. It's The heroine's, like, really quirky and, and silly, and she basically wants a cup of sugar to make cupcakes, so she goes to her neighbor's house, and of course, he answers the door in a towel, and he's of got course. a dick print, and yes. it's a beautiful thing, <laughs> so you're going to want to listen to this one. It's really, really fun.
0: Did you see that picture they shared in our Facebook group, The Read Me Romance Headquarters, where it was just a p it was a row of gray sweatpants at like a Ross or TJ Maxx and it said I took my man lingerie shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, that's wonderful. I love this.
1: <laughs> you know, there is gray sweatpants. Do you men is every man in on this yet? No.
0: Not? No. My husband has no he does not understand. And I've tried to explain to him. What sexy, like, what is hot about it, like, and he's just like, it doesn't make sense to him. He's like, I just don't get it. All right. Well, I don't get why you're always looking at my boobs. You got that right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Trying to stick your hand down between them. Like, I don't know. You tell me.
1: Does your husband do that? He tries to stick his hand down? Yes. Them? <laughs> why not?
0: Like, they're just so big. He's like, let's just fill this out. <laughs>
1: Uh, let's, so, let's talk about husbands really quick. My husband has the man cold this week.
0: Oh, God.
1: What the oh God. fuck ever?
0: Thoughts and prayers are with you right now.
1: They so all have it. I know.
0: Every man is sick right now. He I don't know. do not know. sick.
1: It, like, since I've known him, he's never gotten sick. I get hit, I get sick like every six months or something. And it, yeah. uh, it lasts for like, we've talked about this, I think, last podcast about how you get yeah. one day to be sick. Uh-huh. Well, my husband has been Basically taking one day every day for seven days like it, <laughs> he has not done a goddamn thing and you would think if I got a seven day sabbatical from life I can't even fucking imagine but he is like I told I said on Facebook he actually called urgent care over a cold <laughs> what did they say he's like it's like a congestion in my head and I was like well, what do you think a cold is <laughs>
0: But to be fair, somebody who never gets sick, he probably doesn't understand. He's probably thinks he's dying.
1: So what happened is my in-laws came from Ireland for Christmas, and they brought it with them—the Irish plague, his motherland. Oh, so that—that's how he got sick. Is he was immune to American colds, not <laughs> Irish colds. So they brought it over here. They came sick. Which, oh, that's shit. a whole other story. Yeah,
0: that sucks.
1: But like, I don't really know. What am I supposed to do? Blame them? They they had tickets yeah. to come to New York. They're not mm-hmm. gonna like not come. But yeah, one by they they brought their kids sick over. Uh-huh. Then one by one, they got sick. I got sick, and then Pat got sick, oh, and no. that was our Christmas.
0: uh, oh. Yeah. That sucks. So I got sick after Thanksgiving. That's when we talked about lives podcast. I had strep throat and then it turned into bronchitis. And then turns out it turned into walking pneumonia. And so I had that for like the the entire time from Thanksgiving until Christmas. I was just sick. Just trying to get through everything I had to get through. And it sucked because I, I felt like I blinked and Christmas was over and then I felt better, and I was like, oh, my God, I missed everything. Like, I've, I literally felt like I just, like, opened my eyes out of a coma. But <clears throat> for some reason, I guess this cough will just say for, like, the next four months. So I apologize in advance for our next recordings. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I never get sick. Like, you know, we were talking about it last time. I think it was three years ago when we went to Boston for that book signing. That was the last time I was sick. And I got like the flu or something from somebody there and it just killed me. And I don't know how or where I got it this time, but it just would not go away. And now I think it's okay, but it's just like, you know, my husband said this morning, he woke up and he's like, I don't feel good. I'm going to stay in bed. And I was like, no, 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 not again. Like we can't go through this again. You know, like, please God, I don't want to be sick again. And I sent Mel a text and I was like, if I smothered him with a pillow, like, no jury would convict me, right? Like, like, this is a great defense, okay? Like, back me up on this.
1: I don't know how you don't hear about women smothering their husbands at night with pillows more often. Like, yeah. last night, his snoring, I was like, I you, you're driven to the brink of insanity, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, I was like, I could kill I'm surprised him. you let
0: him sleep in the bed. I did.
1: I No, I didn't. I kicked him out. I like, downstairs. <laughs> fuck did off. Really? Yeah. No, my God. So, because it's like, so he knows when he drinks red wine, he's going to snore. Yeah. He does it anyway. I'm like, okay. You know, and then on top of that, he's coughing because of the cold. Yeah. So, snoring and coughing and snoring and coughing and phlegm. And I was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> I need to sleep. I have to work in the morning. Like I cannot be exhausted. And you know, by the way, while all this is happening, he's getting a great night's sleep. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So he's a bartender. He gets to sleep. He can sleep all day tomorrow. You know, I can't. I have. Has to be he been working. to work since this happened, or has he been out of work? He called out twice. I was oh, like, God. the fucking luxury. I swear. <laughs>
0: can't even imagine it. <laughs> there is so much resentment right now on this podcast. I love it. We haven't like, talked
1: in a while. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's been building and we're it. all
0: so angry. Oh, so let me file my grievance. I started to before and we had to stop and rerecord the very beginning. But um, so my first grievance I'd like to talk about is that Chick-fil-A is changing their menu here. They're doing a test menu in this region that they said if it works, it's going to go nationwide. So first of all, they took all the sausage off the menu. Do your Chick-fil-A's have sausage?
1: I don't support no. Chick-fil-A. <clears throat> sorry, I'm that person. Well, I'm not sorry. I don't I don't go to Chick-fil-A.
0: It's but. okay. <laughs> I, I realize there again, this is like the porn. It's problematic, but I like it.
1: <laughs> so. Listen, I've had Chick-fil-A. I understand why you why you ha- why you have to go. I totally get it. It's great. But I we know. don't have sausage on ours, I don't think.
0: So, they have sausage on ours here. They have, like, sausage biscuits you can get there. Or they have, like, the sausage, um, like, burritos. Like, you can get the chicken and egg and cheese and hash brown burrito. But they have that option with sausage, too. So, they're taking that off the menu. I'm disappointed because I really like those. They're adding, like, spicy chicken tenders. And then they said there's a bunch of other stuff that they're redoing. So, I just, like, you know... I don't understand why people gotta <laughs> fuck with stuff, you know. Like there's, it like I'm to upset. Me,
2: it sounds to me like they're jealous of Wendy's spicy nugget,
0: or they're trying to compete with Papa's. Like Maybe. I don't know. Isn't
2: it like, like are just they, they trying Chick
1: Fil A get- to get chicken sandwiches? Like, what is 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 anybody going for any other reason? I don't go. I don't, I don't, go, I don't go for their chicken
2: sandwiches. I don't eat them. You go for the salads, right? I go for the salads and the chicken tenders because they're they have a dipping sauce that's like crap. Yeah. That's what's good about them is they're soft.
1: I went yeah. once down in St. Augustine uh, to a Chick-fil-A a couple of years ago. And my friend, well, my friend Liz was like, here's what you need to do. You need to get XYZ and you need to get XYZ dipping sauces and you need to dip, cross dip this to that. This.
0: With this and this. There's a
1: whole science to it. Like people yes. really have like a... Um, you know, like it's a cult following almost yeah. these Chick fil A sauces. Well, they
0: love Jesus, so it's cult love.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, it's not It's not that they love Jesus. That's not my problem with them. I don't mind anybody that loves Jesus. Oh, is Jesus. it because they're homophobic? It's because they donate to anti Like, I anti- think they stopped. No, they didn't. What? They tried to, and then. No, their I think supporters... no, recently, like
2: within the last month. Yeah,
1: yeah they, they did, did it again. And, and then they reneged, like their. <laughs> I'm not shocked. Sure. Yeah. So, basically, their supporters got upset that they had donated to an LGBTQ-friendly charity, I believe. So, they, like, decided not to do it. I, I don't know. They tried. They took a step in the right direction, and then they, they backed up. So, I don't know. I just... Dude, you know, if I got to morally stop with
0: everything, <laughs> I'll be naked with nothing. You know, I don't shop at Victoria's Secret because I think... You know, they have a problem with plus-size women, but that's just me,
1: you know? Victoria's Secret really has missed the the narrative. <laughs> the, you know, like society went in one direction a couple of years ago where they started supporting, you know, plus-size women in their advertising. And they started, you know, having bigger sizes and being more inclusive with, you know, it... it you know, larger women. And I feel like Victoria's Secret was just like, no, we're going to stick to this. This is just a trend. Yeah, I <laughs> and mean, they and, fucking and to each their it. own. You yeah. know,
0: there's companies that that's what they do, you know, like... They like you can look at most high end fashion companies like Chanel, Dior, Gucci. I mean, cater to plus size women like or plus size individuals. Like it's difficult to get those things that aren't custom made, you know, or do you get like haute couture that's, you know, been modified to fit, you know, larger bodies that they just that's not what they are about. And that's fine. You know, the they can they can do what they want to do. It's their business you know, that's, that's what we had that conversation. Like I said, my husband and I was just like, well, you know, they're not, it's not like they're a publicly traded company. Like they can make their own decisions and decide how they want to run their restaurant. It's just, I can either choose to patronize it or not, but they have really good vegetable soup. And sometimes (laughs) I crave it and then I just cave. The same with Chick Fil A. Sometimes I really just want those goddamn chicken minis for or the breakfast. waffle fries.
1: I miss the waffle fries. I don't so like badly. the waffle fries. Oh, I do.
0: I could do without that, but those goddamn chicken minis and the little <laughs> yeast rolls, <clears throat> fuck, like they're <laughs> like shots of heroin. Like I get a lot of people, like check their
1: morality at the door. Yeah, they're like, come on, sneak in, walk out with the Burger King bag. Yes. Oh, you know who is great to follow? Speaking of plus size designers, mm-hmm. Cr- uh, Christian Siriano. Do you guys remember him from, he was on a, a season of Project Runway. He's like a little dude. Um, and no. he started designing for plus size women like 10 years ago. Um, like when nobody else, no other designer would design for these actresses. And I'm having, I'm hard pressed to think of exactly who I'm thinking of right now in mm-hmm. terms of the actress. Oh, But if I you follow his Instagram, some, yeah. he designs every it was plus Leslie size um,
0: was it Leslie Jones was she the one I that think- was like made the big thing about it because she couldn't find a designer that wanted to dress her
1: you might be right. And, yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that was the one where, like, she, like, called him out and was like, thank you for stepping up and doing this when other designers just flat out turned me down. And she went to the Fox like, again Oscars. And she was like, are you shitting me? Yeah. You don't want to design me for the Oscars? We were Wait, like, do you know that
1: you heard that Leslie Jones... Wait, did you tell me this or did I hear the announcement yesterday that she's hosting Supermarket Sweep?
0: No, I think we talked about this before, okay, but I, I think so. Yeah. That yeah. is
1: a show... I will be watching.
0: Oh, hundred percent.
1: Like I'm not even going to DVR it. <laughs> no,
0: it's going to, when it comes on, my face is on the screen. Yes. I'm yeah. watching that. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Brighton Walsh. She has a book right now. That's free. Uh, it's called Tessa ever after. Great title. <laughs> I'm going to read you the blur. <laughs> No one's off limits for this playboy except his best friend's little sister. Tessa Maxwell yearns to find the kind of love movies are made about, but uh, for four years, she's been struggling as a single mom, but she hasn't given up on the idea of giving her daughter the family she deserves, or finding the one guy who can who can commit to both. Jason Montgomery can't commit to the to a side of the bed, let alone a woman. Trapped by burdens he wants no part of the last thing he needs is the obligation of a built in family but his best friend's little sister is proving too hard to resist. Jason's the very definition of trouble, but Tessa can't get him out of her mind or her bed, and every day she spends by his side only serves to keep her from the one thing she wants more than anything. a happily ever after. So once you listen to the first installment of this uh, story, The Neighbor by Brighton Walsh, you're going to want to go get this book because she is such an addictive. She has such an addictive voice. It's so friendly. It's so comforting. Mm-hmm. And it's she writes really sexy as well. So Tessa Ever After is free this week only. Go snatch it up. And um, do you guys have anything else or do you want to send them into The Neighbor?
0: We can send them into it. Let's okay. not tease them anymore.
1: We'll cut, We'll talk to you guys on the other side.
0: Bye. Bye.
3: This is The Neighbor by Brighton Walsh. Read for you by Mackenzie Cartwright. Chapter One. You know how everything seems to go right some days? Your favorite shirt is freshly laundered. There's no line to get coffee when you're running a bit behind. Your office mate brings in your favorite donut. Your boss decides to let you take a half day, just for the hell of it. Yeah, today is not one of those days. Today is a day from hell. First, I spilled coffee. After waiting in line for 23 minutes to get said coffee, down the front of my white blouse while on my way to work, I broke a heel running to catch a cab because, thanks to the coffee line, it was too late to ride the L., There was a mountain of paperwork two feet high on my desk to tend to, which, of course, meant I had to skip lunch. My boss did not tell me to take a half day, instead insisting on a very important meeting seven minutes before I was scheduled to leave. After that wretched day, I stumbled into my apartment two hours later than usual, haggard, frustrated, hungry, and still smelling like coffee from my ruined blouse. You'd think after a day like that I'd catch a break. Just one little break so I could make these goddamn cupcakes I needed to have to save my sanity, but no. No, that'd be too easy. Fuck, I say. Okay, I yell it while stomping my foot for good measure. I stare at my half-made batter and then glare at my empty sugar canister, as if that will somehow help. Why, of all days, did my sugar have to run out today? With my hands covered in flour, I use my forearm to swipe a stray piece of hair out of my face as I think about my options. Option one, substitute the sugar with something else. Not an ideal plan, but a possibility. If it'll end with cupcakes shoved in my mouth, who cares what kind of convoluted way I got there? However, because I am in serious need of a trip to the grocery store, A quick glance in my cupboards shows the only possibilities for substitutes are crumbled-up breakfast pastries or saltine crackers. I make a face and slam the cabinet doors closed before resting my hands on the counter. My mouth waters as I peer into the mixing bowl, thinking of what awaits me. Okay, option two. Yeah, there is no option too. I need these cupcakes. I need them filled with loads of sugar, real sugar. And I need them as soon as fucking possible. And after the day I've had, I deserve them, damn it. Resolute in my plan to get my well-earned cupcakes, I wash my hands before I snatch my measuring cup off the counter, resigning myself to do the cliche thing and ask a neighbor for a little neighborly help. My first stop is the obvious choice. Mrs. Kaufman has lived across the hall since well before I moved into the building last year. She's in her late 80s and is always home at 7.30 at night, usually in her housecoat and slippers, ready to settle into bed. But of course, today being the shit show of a day that it is, my knock goes unanswered. Apparently, old Mrs. Kaufman has a more hoppin' social life than I do. Whatever, I'm not going to dwell on that. Chanting to myself, the cupcakes will be worth it, over and over again, I make my way down the hall to the rest of the neighbors, none of whom I've ever actually met, hoping one of them will take pity on me. By the time I've knocked on five doors and received no answers, I'm getting pissed. Yeah, okay, so I'd never open the door to someone I didn't know either, especially someone with bedraggled hair and flour all over their face, When I get to the last apartment on my floor, my patience is non-existent, and I pound on the door. I wait for approximately half a second before slamming my fist against it again, muttering, I don't fucking believe this, for the love of. And then, it's like God has answered my profanity-laden plea, in the form of a half-naked hottie, dripping wet and covered in only a minuscule towel. I should look at his face, or at the very least say hello, That's what most people would do in a situation where they meet their neighbor for the first time. In case it wasn't clear, I'm not like most people. Instead, I stare, and stare some more, my eyeballs feasting on the glorious sight in front of me. His dark hair, nearly black from wetness, is dripping onto his smooth skin that looks, okay, I'm just going to say it, it looks edible. The color of his hair is the only defining characteristic I catalog, as I follow the path of one such water rivulet trailing down his neck. It takes a nice leisurely path over the hills and valleys of the most impressive chest I've ever seen in real life, then cascades over the ridges of his abdomen until it disappears into the material of a threadbare towel. One large hand grips said threadbare towel, holding it closed around slim hips, though it does little to conceal what appears to be a very large, um, package. Uh, Hi, he asks, confusion ringing in his tone. Can I help you? His voice is deep and rich and is probably attached to a model-worthy face, but I can't peel my eyes away to even check. I need your cock. I say, my eyes still connected with his, well, cock. A strangled cough comes from haughty neighbor guy, and that's when I realize what I've just said. Because of course I did. I slap a hand to my forehead, clenching my eyes closed. Sugar, I correct and hold out my measuring cup. I clearly meant sugar. Oh my God, is it possible to die of mortification? Because if so, I'm surely a goner. Is he still standing there? I honestly have no idea because I'm too much of a chicken shit to open my eyes and check. After a few tense, totally silent moments, he lets out a sort of disbelieving laugh, then tugs the measuring cup from my hand. I open one eye and peek out through the slot I've made between two of my fingers. And of course, my eye latches on another water path, this one narrowly missing a pebbled nipple. Good God, is it even legal for him to be strutting around like this? Never mind the fact that he's technically in his apartment, and I apparently just interrupted a shower. He should be forced to cover up at all times for the sheer fact that his body is lethal in concentrated doses. I didn't even know real guys were made like this. I thought it was reserved for Instagram models and Tumblr gifts. Haughty neighbor guy clears his throat though I'm telling myself it has nothing to do with me imagining him in the shower, nor the drool that may or may not be leaking out of my mouth. I'll, uh, I'll be right back, he says. Through the tiny crack in my fingers, I watch him walk away. Every inch of this man is delectable. His back muscles flex as he moves, the dimples at the base of his spine drawing my eyes like a magnet which, of course, only pulls my gaze farther down the way his very sculpted and biteable ass moves under the towel. Once he disappears around the corner into what I assume is his kitchen, I sag against the door jamb and repeatedly smack the heel of my hand against my forehead. I cannot believe I just did that. Okay, so I can believe I just did that because that's what I do. Make a total ass out of myself on a daily basis. Because I'm a glutton for punishment, I replay the past three minutes in my mind over and over. Sweet Jesus, I didn't realize it was possible for one person to be as embarrassed as I am right now, and yet here we are. I sort of wish the hell mouth would open up under me and just put me out of my misery already. After the fourth replay of the events in my mind, I come to the conclusion that there is absolutely no way I can face this guy again. No freaking way. No cupcakes are worth reliving my eternal mortification. And to hell with the measuring cup, I can buy another one at the store. Determined to get the hell out of Dodge, I spin around and hustle my ass down the hallway, sprinting on tiptoes to my apartment so as not to draw his attention. Yeah because him catching me running away would definitely be the most embarrassing thing to happen tonight. When I'm safely in my haven, leaning against the closed door, I reaffirm I did the most logical thing by getting the hell out of there. There is absolutely no amount of cupcakes that could make up for the mortification of having to talk to haughty neighbor guy again. Chapter 2. It's been more than a week since the fateful sugar incident, as I've deemed to call it, and I still get a flush on my cheeks every time I think of what an idiot I was. Shortly after I made it back into my apartment, I called my best friend Jen and recounted the event in great gory detail. She pretended to be supportive, but I could hear her snickering in the background. I knew if I'd told her the story in person, Her face would have been bright red from the exertion of holding in her cackles. Now, back in my hermit hole, er, apartment I've been scared to leave for fear of running into haughty neighbor guy, I quickly change out of my work clothes before slipping on a pair of leggings. Shut up, they are pants, and a worn hoodie. Tying my hair back as I trek into my kitchen, I try and figure out what to make for dinner. Cooking for just one person is always a challenge, and I rummage through my cupboards and fridge before deciding on some leftover pasta. Just after I put my dish in the microwave to heat it up, there's a knock at the door. I narrow my eyes and suspiciously glance toward the noise, wondering who the hell would be knocking, especially since I live in a secured building. While my dinner reheats, I head to the door, then stand on my tiptoes to look out the peephole. As quickly as my brain can register what I see, I gasp at who's standing there and whip around, my back and the palms of my hands pressed flat against the door as I duck away from the peephole. Like he's able to see inside. I roll my eyes at myself but still cower from the little hole to the outside the reverberations of his second knock echo against my back, and I clench my eyes closed, hoping he'll just go away. Taking a chance, I quickly peek out toward him again and watch with both relief and disappointment as he turns to leave. Of course, that's the exact moment my pasta finishes in the microwave, and the never before been this loud beeping of the timer sounds like a bullhorn through my space, With wide eyes, I watch as haughty neighbor guy halts in his tracks and cocks his head to the side before looking back over his shoulder toward my door. He stands still for a moment, almost as if he's listening for movement, which of course leads me to hold my breath, because obviously he can hear me breathing through the closed door. After what seems like forever, he finally turns around and heads toward his apartment, just before he's out of sight, I notice the measuring cup dangling from his hand. A week later, I'm roaming the endless aisles of my local superstore half an hour before closing, because I am still without a measuring cup. I realized that if I ever want to make another batch of cupcakes again, I needed to get my ass out and buy a replacement. Of course, I don't technically need to buy one since haughty neighbor guy has attempted to return mine at least three times this week. During each of those times, I was obviously not home and definitely not crouched and hiding behind my door waiting for him to give up and walk away. Once in the kitchen section, I look over my options, slightly overwhelmed by the possibilities. There's plastic and glass, stackable cups and single dry and liquid, ones with easy-read measurements. The options are endless. I suddenly long for my good old reliable measuring cup my mom gave me when I first moved out of the house. Simple, old school, and nothing like these new-fangled ones. Digital readout, seriously? People can't just look at a line? Jesus, I muttered to myself. I just want a simple goddamn measuring cup. Well, you could have yours back if you'd answer your door once in a while. I jump half a mile in the air, letting out a loud yelp. Hand to my chest to try and slow my pounding heartbeat. I spin around to see who my crazy stalker is. Although, now that I have enough wits about me to not be concerned with just wetting my pants thanks to the scare, said crazy stalker's words finally register. I'm pretty sure I know exactly who's standing there. Because, in case it wasn't clear already, I am the unluckiest person alive. My suspicions are confirmed when I look up to his face, and there before me is haughty neighbor guy. Up until this point, I've only gotten distorted visions of him through the peephole in my apartment. And believe you me, it's a sad, sad substitute to being up close and personal with all this hotness. His dark eyes, speckled with green and gold, spark with mischief, the scruff on his face doing nothing to hide his smirk. That smirk that I want to wipe off his face only draws my attention to his mouth. Full and lush, with a beautifully curved top lip just begging to be traced by my tongue. My brain output might as well be when he's around. He short-circuits my mental capabilities. I sputter and glance around as I mentally calculate the probability that I'd be able to just turn and walk away pretending I didn't see him, or that I'm hard of hearing and didn't hear him, or that I don't speak English and therefore didn't understand a word he said. I see you and your shifty eyes, he says, don't even think about it. My mouth falls open. Say what now? Is he a goddamn mind reader? He chuckles and looks at me for a moment before holding out his hand, as if meeting me here is a perfectly normal occurrence, and that only two weeks ago I didn't visually assault his twig and berries. I'm Matt, by the way. Ah. Uh, I narrow my eyes at him, unsure what he's playing at here, but I do have some semblance of manners, so I shake his hand. I'm Lucy, he interrupts. Yeah, I know. In response to my eyebrow raise, he smiles his toothpaste commercial smile. Seriously, is everything about this guy perfect? Mrs. Kaufman spilled the beans. Outwardly, I press my lips together in what I hope passes as a smile. But internally, I shake my fist at the sky. Damn that meddling old woman. I knew she was too nice. So, Lucy? he says, emphasizing my name. Do you make it a habit to never answer your door? Or are you giving me special treatment? He smirks, his eyes sparkling in a way that lets me know he's teasing. And even though I'd love nothing more than to play along with the fuck hot dude flirting with me while surrounded by kitchenware, his casual mention of trying to return my measuring cup only reminds me of how we got here in the first place. My mortification is back tenfold as I recall exactly what led us to meet the first time. I can feel the redness sweep over my face, my cheeks burning with embarrassment, yet I can't flee. For some reason, my fight or flight response has fizzled out completely, and I'm rooted in place. When he cocks a brow, I realize he's waiting for a response to his question And I panic, wondering how exactly to answer. Well, since I begged for your dick before I even knew your name, I've been a little hesitant to see you again. Probably not the best option. Um, I, I trail off, trying to think of a plausible lie to get me out of this. I, uh, oh! I snap my finger and grin like I've just thought of the winning answer on Jeopardy! I listen to my playlist on Spotify when I'm home, so I don't hear the door, you know, with my earbuds and such. I gesture vaguely toward my ears. He gives me a blank stare for a moment, and I'm a little worried he didn't buy my fib. I see, he says slowly, and you do this because... He trails off, his eyebrows raised in question. Oh, uh, well, damn it. I didn't think of an actual reason for me doing this. Um, I dart my eyes around, hoping inspiration will strike. And it does, in the form of a little old lady pushing her cart past us. Mrs. Kaufman, obviously, I finally say solemnly while nodding. Yep, she really hates anything, even remotely loud. Can't fall asleep. And she likes to sleep a lot. During all hours of the day, really. Oh, he asks, that cocky-ass smirk totally at home on his smug, fuck-hot face. Because when I talked to her, I had to practically yell for her to hear me. His grin is spreading, getting bigger by the second, and it's painfully obvious he's enjoying watching me squirm. Told me to hold on while she went to get her hearing aids. Shit. Instead of making up another lie, or answering for the one I've already told, I scoff and turn away from him. I really need to get back to- I gesture to the overwhelming options of measuring cups before me. All this, so if you'll just excuse me. My back is to him, so I feel satisfied that I've effectively shut the door on any further conversation. I don't hear anything for a minute and breathe a sigh of relief when I assume he's finally left- You're really going to buy another one when you could just stop by my place and pick up yours, he asks, his voice in my ear again. Jesus, I yell, my hand going to my chest. What is wrong with you, I hiss over my shoulder. He chuckles and ducks his head before I return my gaze to the kitchen gadgets and attempt to ignore him. Matt clears his throat and I peek at him out of the corner of my eye, watching as he rubs the back of his neck. All you have to do is swing by, he says. Your measuring cup's been sitting on my dining room table since you left it. You can just grab it and go. Yeah, I'm not buying Matt, he's up to something, I can sense it. I'm pretty sure the stink eye I give him illustrates my skepticism. He holds up his hands in defense, Promise. Am I really going to buy a subpar substitute to what I've been using for years when my beloved measuring cup is just sitting there waiting for me to retrieve it? I mean, really, Matt has already cornered me. The worst of my embarrassment is over, right? I finally give in and exhale a deep breath. Fine. Before he can say anything else, I turn and stalk off toward the front of the store. Anxious to get in my car so I can relive the past five minutes and simmer in the mortification all by myself. Even though I'm booking it toward the exit, he manages to keep up. And before long, he's striding right next to me at an easy pace. Damn these stupid, stubby legs of mine. I huff and try to move faster, but he still has no trouble keeping up, what with him being nearly a foot taller than me, bastard. He doesn't talk as we make our way into the darkened parking lot. I stop at my car, and Matt stands by, waiting as I get my door unlocked. Just before I slide into the driver's seat, Matt calls out, I've got some place to be tonight, but you can swing by anytime tomorrow night, all right? I'm not sure if the extra time is a blessing or a curse. On one hand, I'll have more time to prepare myself. On the other hand, I'll also have more time to relive the fateful sugar incident, which is only going to end badly for all involved. And by all involved, I mean me. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. See you soon, Lucy. With a smile curving those beautiful lips, he walks backward toward where his car must be. I don't stick around to watch him any longer. It's clear he's already zapped every ounce of intelligence I have. He offers a tentative wave as I drive past him, trying and failing not to freak out about what's to come. Chapter 3 This was the worst idea I've had in a while, and with my track record, that's definitely saying something. I knew I'd be a hot mess of nerves when the time to actually go to Matt's place was upon me. So why did I agree to it? I should have just bought a new frickin' measuring cup yesterday. Who cares if the one my mom gave me has been passed down from my great-grandmother? Heirlooms are for pansies anyway. Pacing around my apartment, I silently call myself every name in the book as I try to think up an excuse as to why I haven't gone over or better yet, why I don't go over at all. It's already nearing eight, so I've spent most of the past three hours marinating in my own fail. And unfortunately, I've come to find it's just getting more and more difficult to walk out that door. I finally come to the conclusion the only way I'm getting my ass over there is with a little liquid courage. Since I'm too anxious to wait for a slow buzz, I figure shots are my best bet. After downing two, I start to get warm all over and can't remember why I was so nervous to see haughty neighbor guy, er, Matt. My mind wanders back to the first time I saw him, which, of course, leads me to fantasize about what might have happened in an alternate reality, one where I'm not a complete bumbling idiot. Maybe I'll get lucky and he'll answer his door in just a towel again. A girl can dream, right? With that thought, I grab my keys and hurry out of my apartment, trucking my way toward Matt's door. Under my breath, I chant, please be naked, please be naked, please be naked, hoping someone will answer my prayer, because honestly, I'm due for a little good luck already. Without hesitation, I knock on his door and wait to see what state of undress he's in this time. It only takes a moment before the door swings open, and there's Matt with a big smile on his face. Hey, Lucy, he says, unfortunately fully clothed. Though the boy is certainly rocking the whole jeans and t-shirt look. Thought you were gonna stand me up. Stand you up? I try to be covert in my appraisal of his body beneath what he's wearing. Fortunately for me, both articles of clothing are snug fitting, so it's not too difficult. Especially when I remember, in great detail, exactly what's under all that material. It's not like this is a date. It's then that I get a whiff of a mouth-watering aroma coming from his apartment. As if on cue, my stomach decides to remind me I was so worried about coming over, I forgot to actually feed it something. Matt, no doubt hearing the loud enough to wake the dead grumbles coming from my stomach, smiles. Hungry? Saliva pools in my mouth at the thought of eating Matt, er, what Matt has made for dinner, but I still shake my head. No, I say firmly, not allowing myself another glance of his denim-covered dreamsicle. I just came to get my measuring cup. I hold out my hand and wait for him to give it to me. He might be hot, but if I'm forced to spend more than 30 seconds in his presence again, there's no telling what kind of horrifying things I might say, or do. Not discouraged by my short answers, he opens the door farther and motions for me to come inside. It's in the kitchen. Noticing my hesitation, he cocks a brow. I won't bite, Lucy. That's really too bad. He chuckles. Shit, did I say that out loud? And turns to walk away, leaving me standing in his open doorway. And yeah, I watch his ass as he goes, because of course I do. It's deja vu from the first time we met. But as good as his ass looks in those jeans, and sweet Lord, does it look good, I'm pretty sure I prefer seeing the outline in the skimpy towel he was wearing last time. I snap myself out of my ass-induced haze and decide what the hell to do. Part of me wants to turn around and scurry back to my apartment, with or without that blasted measuring cup. But that clearly did a whole lot for me the last time, so I quickly nix that idea. However, I'm not sure the two measly shots I had were enough to coerce me into actually entering this hot bastard's apartment. Lord knows what I'd do to him and his dick behind closed doors, especially considering I've liquored myself up for the occasion. On an empty stomach, no less. Lucy, he calls. I- peek my head in, noticing his place is the same layout as mine. His, however, is sparsely furnished and has moving boxes stacked in the corners. I'd wondered why I hadn't seen him in the building before the fateful sugar incident, but it looks like Hottie just moved in. Lucy, he tries again, his voice coming from the kitchen. Can you come help me for a minute? Damn him in his weaselly ways. He probably assumed I wouldn't be rude and walk away when someone asked for help. Smart and hot, that one. And he's right. Huffing, I head into the kitchen, getting there just as Matt pulls something from the oven. And yeah, this setup seems a little, well, set up. I dart my eyes around, taking in the yummy-looking dinner he made the two plates on the counter in front of him, as well as the two wine glasses and bottle of wine sitting out. Holy shit, I've been duped. Gasping, I point a finger at him. You tricked me. I don't know what you're talking about, he says, completely unfazed as he proceeds to dish up dinner on both plates. This, I hiss and gesture wildly to the very date-like ambiance of his apartment. You told me to come by and pick up my stupid-ass measuring cup, not meet you for a freaking date where you cook me dinner. What the fuck, dude? Okay, so I might be getting a tiny bit worked up about this, but I've been completely misled. I mean, had I known this was a date, I would have actually put effort into getting ready, rather than throwing on the ripped jeans and old Def Leopard t-shirt I'm wearing. And I may have thrown on some sexy matching lingerie, rather than coming over here in the polka dot bra and hot pink panties that say sure thing across the ass. He laughs, and if I'm not mistaken, light pink blooms on his cheeks. Not that I was staring at his face, or his full lips, or his slight stubble, or his glorious dark mass of hair I want to grab while I ride his face. Jesus, Lucy, next time, remember, rum makes you frisky. Leaning his hip against the kitchen counter, he slips his hands in his pockets. You mean to tell me if I'd said, hey, Lucy, would you like to have dinner with me tomorrow night? You would have said yes. My cheeks heat as I recall the first time I met Matt, when I'd practically assaulted him and his dick, then ran away like a scared animal, and thus the entire reason I'm here. Embarrassed all over again, I scoff, obviously not. Because you don't want to be here, he asks, his eyebrows raised. Because I cut myself off before I repeat his words, because they're not true. I do want to be here. I'm just not sure how to move past my mortification. He glances down to the floor, then back to me. There are no strings attached here. You're free to take your measuring cup and leave any time. He points to the counter to my left, and sure enough, there it sits. I don't want you to feel like dinner is part of the deal to get what you came for. It's just a bonus. Eyeing him warily, my face still hot, I cross my arms over my chest. Damn, he's really thrown me off my game. If he'd been a dick or super pushy, it'd have been a lot easier to walk away. Why do you want to have dinner with me so badly? I'm not a stranger to being hit on or asked out, but the dudes generally don't go to such extreme measures, especially exceptionally hot ones whose cock I've lusted after since I first laid eyes on it, er, him. He shrugs and turns around to uncork the bottle of wine. You're beautiful, funny, quirky. He glances up at me for a moment, his lips curved up on one side, before concentrating again on the wine. I wanted to get to know you better. And I'm new in town, he gestures to the scattered boxes. And I don't know many people. Matt must sense I still haven't been completely persuaded into staying and adds, plus, Mrs. Kaufman tipped me off that you wouldn't turn down free food and alcohol, was she wrong? As he stares at me with a raised brow, the bottle of one of my favorite wines poised over a glass, I narrow my eyes at him and purse my lips. That meddling old hag. I love her. I've never turned down free food and alcohol, which is why my rap sheet of bad dates is nearly as long as Santa's list of names. And I'm certainly not going to turn down free food and alcohol when it's this hot as fuck bastard that'll be sitting across from me. Fine, I say, and grab the glass of wine he's just poured, not hesitating to take a large drink. I'm definitely going to need more alcohol to get me through dinner without wanting to crawl under the table. But I'm only staying because you called me pretty. Flattery will get you everywhere. Matt laughs and grabs the plates, tilting his head toward the dining area and gesturing for me to follow. I grab his wine glass along with mine and walk behind him. Well, in that case, I actually said you were beautiful, not just pretty. He winks and sets down our dishes before pulling out my chair for me. I'll admit I'm a little taken aback by the gesture. It's been a long time since I've had a guy do something so, well, nice. Actually, I've never had a guy do something so gentlemanly. Manners aren't high on the list for the dudes I've surrounded myself with. Between his manners, his personality, and his good looks, Not to mention the not-so-tiny trouser snake I got a glimpse of under his towel. I think I might be smitten. Now, if only I'd stop acting like an idiot in front of him. Thank you. I slide into the seat he offers, setting our glasses on the table. You're welcome. He's not hovering creepy close, but he's near enough that his breath ghosts over my neck, and I fight back the shiver threatening to rack my body. I fail. Obviously, I fail. And from the smug smile on Matt's face as he sits in his chair, he's aware of exactly what kind of reaction I have to him. If I make it out of this night unscathed, it'll be a damn miracle.
1: Hey, lady listeners, we're back. Hey! Okay, so as we mentioned, Tessa Ever After by Brighton Walsh is free right now. I know you guys loved her writing style, so go snatch it up. She's also giving away a $25 Amazon gift card. So go to readmeromance.com to enter to win that giveaway. Let's see. We have some releases this year, Mel. Do you want to talk about them?
2: Yeah, I'll go ahead. Baiting Him by Aurora Rose Reynolds is out. It is in the How to Catch an Alpha series. I read the first one, and I freaking loved it. So I'm super excited for this one. All of them are going to be in Kindle Unlimited and in audio. So you can pick up the audios. Also, if you guys remember, Ruby Dixon had a book on here, When She's Ready. She wrote another book in that world. It's called When She's Married. So you can pick that up. It's in Kindle Unlimited, too.
1: Ooh, new Ruby Dixon. I love it. Okay, um, I think that's it for today. We'll be back on Friday with more of The Neighbor by Brighton Walsh. And in the meantime, Leah, tell him what to do.
0: Fuck your day up. Make stay your bitch. Don't be a dick. Wait,
1: wait. I uh, fuck. I fucking what? have book release today. Oh, oh well, shit! Go you really? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: wait. Don't go anywhere,
2: guys. Uh, okay. Come back. Fuck. Stop. Uh, my go back. Left. Jesus Get Christ.
1: Get it. My book, *Lover, Her, Love Her or Lose Her*, came out. Comes out tomorrow. Uh, it's the second book in the Hot and Hammered series. It's about a married couple.
0: If you pre-order right now, you'll get it tonight at midnight.
1: It is. It's you guys. It's safe. There's no cheating. And everybody's freaking out because it's a married couple on the rocks. But I promise you that it's. There's no cheating. They basically are still hot in the bedroom, but they've lost th- their ability to communicate with each other. And I it's, love that. It's a sweet, it's a really sweet book. It's funny. I send them to like a pot smoking hippie marriage counselor, and he gives them all this crazy homework to do to reconnect with each other. And it's a lot of fun. So go grab it. Love her or lose her. It's out tomorrow. Thank you. I
2: can't believe anybody would think you'd write cheating. That's I such a People were like,
1: is this going to stomp on my heart or I'm scared? And I'm like, I wrote, I purposefully put it in the blurb that he's faithful because I was like, I wouldn't buy it unless I knew he hadn't yeah, like, cheated, for sure. obviously.
0: But I love but. reading about married couples. Too. that There's like an outside thing or like, like you said, like, it's just like a lost connection of something, but they're still really in love. Like, he's they're obsessed still. obsessed with her.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. they're still like. It's They're there. still
0: having sexy times. Like, yeah. I love that. I love married couples. All
1: right, good. good. Okay, now tell them what to do, Leah.
0: <laughs> no, I've already told them. This is it. You fucked it all up. This is the <laughs> ending. This is it. Goodbye.
4: Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Chapter one. Rosie Vega, a department store shopper's worst nightmare. Really, that's what her name tag should have read. Instead of cosmetics consultant. In order to fulfill that title, someone would be required to consult her first, right? Problem was, no one ever asked to be spritzed with perfume. And really, that's all it was, just a little spritz. Why wouldn't customers let her make them smell good? Was it so much to ask? Rosie hobbled over to the Clinique counter in her high heels, watching out for her supervisor, Martha, before performing a casual lean against the glass, groaning as the pressure on her toes and ankles lessened. One might surmise that Rosie was in the military instead of a perfume girl at the mall. If Rosie was caught taking an unscheduled break, she wouldn't be docked pay or anything so serious. She would just get the shittier smelling perfume to demonstrate tomorrow. Martha worked her evil and backhanded ways. Rosie leaned over the counter and checked the clock on the register. 9.29, a little over half an hour to go, and she was exhausted from standing on her feet since three o'clock. The only customers left in Haskell's were buying last-minute birthday presents or shopping for impromptu job interview clothes. There were no pleasure cruisers at the mall this late, but she was required to stay until the very end. On the off chance someone wanted to smell like begonias and sandalwood right before bed. A squeal rent the air, and two children holding giant mall pretzels came tearing through her aisle, their mother sprinting after them with no fewer than three bags on each arm. Rosie managed to lunge out of their way, but one kid's legs got tangled in the others, and they went sprawling, both pretzels turning end over end like tumbleweeds into a Dior display, which tilted, wobbled, and crashed onto its side. Perfume bottles hit the floor with a cringe-inducing smash, a sense of several fragrances pooling and combining, and what could only be referred to as too much of a good thing. Kill me now, the mother wailed at the ceiling, turning bloodshot eyes on Rosie. Help us, please. Feedback screeched over the department store PA system. Janitorial services to cosmetics. Both kids burst into noisy tears, neither one of them making a move to get up off the floor. The PA system sent a ripple of static into the atmosphere, forcing everyone to plug their ears, which Rosie could only accomplish with one finger since she was still holding a perfume bottle. Bring a mop, the man on the speaker finished sleepily. Rosie chewed her bottom lip for a moment, then set down her fragrance, thus committing a cardinal sin in the eyes of her supervisor. Don't dawdle, always have a bottle. Those words were on a plaque in the employee break room in size 72 font. Desperate times called for desperate measures, however. And with her hands free, Rosie could stoop down to help the children to their feet, while their mother lamented the fact that she no longer smoked. A teenager appeared on the scene dragging a mop behind him, music blaring in his earbuds, and Rosie ushered the kids over to their mother. Waving off her gratitude, knowing she needed to find her bottle before, No perfume, I see, Martha drawled, rising from behind the glass counter like a vampire at sundown. How are we to entice the customer? She pretended to search the immediate area. Perhaps our commission will appear out of thin air. Smile in place, Rosie picked her bottle back up and gave it a shake. Armed and prepared, Martha. Oh, There it is. Martha sauntered off to go terrorize someone else, but not before calling to Rosie over her shoulder. You're sampling the La Squirt bonbon tomorrow. Rosie ground her molars together and threw a thumbs up at her supervisor. Can't wait. No one had ever sold a bottle of La Squirt. It smelled like someone woke up with a hangover, stumbled into their kitchen without brushing their teeth, and housed a cupcake. Then breathed into a bottle and put it on shelves. She was debating the wisdom of paying the janitor to hide every bottle of La Squirt, an inside job, when the sound of footfalls coming in Rosie's direction, forced her spine straight, as if on command. She pushed off the glass and held her perfume bottle at the ready, a smile spreading her mouth and punishing her sore cheeks. A man turned the corner, and her smile eased somewhat, her hands lowering. Even if he were to buy the scent as a gift for his wife, the dude definitely wouldn't want to go home reeking of women's perfume. Rosie assumed the man would pass on by, but he stopped at the counter across the aisle, peering into the glass case for a moment. Then he straightened and sent her a warm grin. Hi. He shoved his hands into his pockets, and Rosie performed her usual customer checklist. Nice watch, tailored suit, Potential for an upsell if she could convince an obvious businessman that the three-cent gift box was a must-have for his lady. Shouldn't they have sent you home by now? Was he talking to her? Weird. On the cosmetics department floor, most people passed by Rosie as if she were an inanimate object. A minor annoyance they had to successfully avoid for 3.7 seconds, unless they needed directions or help wrangling their kids. She had an urge to glance over her shoulder to confirm the man wasn't addressing someone behind her. Maybe Martha had doubled back to make sure she was spray ready. Um, Rosie tried not to be obvious about shifting in her heels, transferring the ache between feet. No rest for the weary, I guess. The mall closes at ten, so speaking to a man felt strange, foreign. She hadn't even talked to her husband, Dominic, about anything of real importance for years. And God help her, someone giving enough of a damn to ask why she was terrorizing people with a perfume bottle at 9.30, did feel important. Someone asking about her, noticing her, felt important. For a split second, Rosie let herself notice the man back, in a purely objective way. He was cute, had some dad bod going on, but she wasn't judging, With both hands in his pockets, she couldn't look for a wedding ring. Some intuition told her he was divorced though, maybe even recently. There was something about how he'd approached as if intending to go straight for the exit that told Rosie he was only pretending to be interested in the jewelry case now. His tense shoulders and stilted small talk suggested he'd actually stopped to speak to her and wasn't overly comfortable doing it. Have you been working here long? This man was interested in her. In the space it took Rosie to have that realization, she noticed her own wedding ring was hidden behind the perfume bottle. Without being obvious, she curled the bottle into her chest and let the gold band wink at him from across the aisle. The light in his eyes dimmed almost immediately. Rosie had been faithful to Dominic since middle school, and that wouldn't be changing anytime soon. But she allowed herself the feminine satisfaction of knowing a man had found her attractive. Had she even allowed that simple pleasure for anyone but Dominic? No, no, she didn't think so. And in the years since Dominic had returned from active duty, she hadn't gotten that light, bubbly lift from him either. Everything between them was dark, lustful, confusing, and so far off course, she wasn't sure their marriage would ever point in the right direction again. Maybe it was silly, allowing this stranger's attempts at flirting to bring everything screaming into perspective, but that's exactly what happened. On a boring Tuesday night that should have been like any other. Suddenly, Rosie wasn't just standing in her usual spot beneath the fake crystal chandelier while boring piano music was piped in over the speakers. She was standing in purgatory. Whose life was this? not hers. Once upon a time, she'd been a straight A student, a member of the Port Jefferson High School volleyball team. B squad, but whatever. She'd been an aspiring chef. Wait, wrong. Rosie was an aspiring chef. She needed to stop thinking of that dream in the past tense, something that faded with a long ago wish upon a star. Rosie set the perfume bottle down on the Clinique counter and sent the man a wobbly smile. How long have I been working here? (laughs) She laughed under her breath. Too long. The man laughed, seeming grateful that she'd broken the wedding ring tension. Yeah, (laughs) I can relate. He rubbed at the back of his neck. Well, I guess I should get going. He trailed off, but made no move to leave. It took Rosie a tick to realize he was gauging her interest level, even though she was married. With a quick intake of breath, She nodded. Have a nice night. Rosie stood there long after the man left, still trapped in that out-of-body feeling. Whose life was this, indeed? In a few minutes, she would clock out from a job she hated and go home to a too quiet house. A horribly, painfully quiet house, where she would orbit around Dominic as if they might catch fire if they made eye contact. Where had everything gone wrong? She didn't know. But 27 was too young to settle for unhappiness, discontent. Any age was too young for that. Yet that was exactly what she'd done, professionally and personally. I think I'm done, she whispered. The words swallowed up by elevator music, the sounds of cash drawers being removed from registers, and gates being pulled down at the entrances to Haskell's. Likewise, gates were coming down around a heart that was broken, Every time she passed through the living room and didn't receive so much as a, hello, how are you? I love you. When was the last time she'd heard those words out of her husband's mouth? She couldn't even remember. She couldn't even remember. Maybe Dominic was the reason she couldn't make the leap to step three of her aspirations. His lack of faith and encouragement, his utter lack of acknowledgement, was holding her back. She'd become content to waste away in this perfume purgatory. If she had more courage, she would tell Martha where to stick a bottle of Bon Bonbon. That bravery was missing, though. It had been for way too long. What happened to us? We used to love so hard. We used to be a team. With a chest full of crushed glass, Rosie leaned over the counter and checked the clock again. Ten. She'd made it another day. Her marriage wouldn't.
0: Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.